Today's connected world can very well disconnect us from God and those around us. There are too many formulas for discipleship and too many who borrow from other humans to say, this is it. This is the true model of discipleship. I talked to an expert who read an expert who had lunch with a scholar. Jesus and his focus of God and his ministry to his community should be how we lead our lives. Does our keeping of all commandments glorify God? Or are they convenient only to us for personal or subcultural reasons? Are we treating those around us, even those who don't believe like us, respectfully? If the Bible isn't our basis of discipleship, all other models are human attempts for human recognition. Give me the Bible first. Show me you believe in this model of discipleship, and then we can talk about discipleship at its best. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. I'm Falvo Fowler and this is Sabbath School University. We're starting a new study on, what is it? Oh yeah, discipleship. We've got the host for this quarter, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves in just a moment. But I want to tell you what we're doing dis different this quarter. I've asked people from the uh, Trans-European Division and from Italy to provide questions. So throughout this quarter, you'll see the credit mentioning where it's from. We've got questions from Greece, Hungary, um, North England Conference, and Italy. So check the credits out if you've never done it before, and we thank the people who contributed for this quarter. I'm going to ask the host that you know to tell me something great about the summer. Oh, actually, it's, it's winter, so... <laughs> Sorry. Well, by the time, by the time yes. this airs, it'll, it'll be... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. By the time this airs, because we're shooting this in October right now. Yeah. Right, so, tell me something about the summer and the fall. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Uh, well, my name is uh, Brendan Aubrey, and uh, I'm expecting uh, my first child in the Aww. winter. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. My name is Allery's Collie, and something great about the winter? Mm. Go with the winter. What's great? It's too cold. <laughs> uh, you're not from the islands, by any chance, are you? <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm Andrew Campbell. Uh, if you think the winters here are harsh, uh, I'll be I'll, by the time this airs. Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be in Norway, and uh, you get some. Yeah, we're gonna oh. miss you. Yeah. Sorry. So we really appreciate having you as a host. So. By the time this airs, you'll be pastoring some. Hopefully, you'll be watching the show. Yeah. And congratulations, because by the time this airs, you'll be a father. Yes. Life changes completely. Please. Buy your toys now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask uh, Andrew if you would offer prayer and read scripture, please, and then we can okay. start the study. Uh, the key text is Luke 6, verse 12 and 13. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he named apostles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we can get together and discuss your word and its application mm -hmm. to today's life, to whatever circumstances may be applicable to, to our lives. Um, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us as we study and leads us into the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. 
13 lessons in discipleship. We've, we've recorded some of them already because that's how we do this here. But it's going to be an interesting study only because it's discipleship seems to be the buzzword all over the place. Because mm -hmm. everybody, and what I've noticed is we, a lot of people base it on models that have existed someplace else, whether it's another church, another denomination, a well-known writer. Um, how does the Bible play? What are some uses of the Bible that they use, uh, separate right now? How do we as, as Christians use the Bible? So one of the first things that comes to my mind is to, to bash people. Often you find people that uh, use, use the Bible really in, in a way that is hurtful to, to other people. Um, and it's, it's uh, unfortunate that that side of Christianity is, is there and is manifested so, so many times. Uh. That's interesting that you say that. I know of an instance where somebody was, um, was breaking the law. Mm. but would use scripture to point out the faults of everybody else mm -hmm. on Facebook continuously uh, you know this is they don't pay attention to what they're doing but they're so keen to say here's the things that you as a Christian or a non-Christian are doing wrong but what are other uses of scripture mm -hmm. well for me um, I think people use scripture as a resume they say okay this is what God did in history this is what he's capable of doing so he can do the same thing that he did in history for us today. So in a way, it's, it's uh, an encouragement. So it's God's resume? It's God's resume. Huh. Well, mm. don't know if I'll hire him. Let's talk <laughs> about yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I would like to think that individuals would use Scripture the way 2 Timothy chapter 3.16 says, for inspiration, for reproof, mm -hmm. uh, for correction and doctrine. But I think we misinterpret it from time to time. Uh, but today, I, I'm starting to see people or even myself, use scripture as a guide to in, an abundant life, something meaningful, purpose. Um, but sometimes it can be misinterpreted. A lot of individuals believe as you are falling in love with Jesus, as you're strengthening your walk with Christ, you're pointing the fingers at others that aren't doing what you're doing. And uh, your interpretation is different from the person on the side of the interpretation. Mm -hmm. So it resembles their character. I don't expect my character to match Al Maurice's character because we both use the Bible differently. So I some belie sometimes believe that the Bible is used for comparison. Hmm. Well, should it be? No. I, we're not, not against <laughs> each other. Uh, okay. <laughs> not against each other. But <laughs> comparison unto you and God's model of, of what you course, should be. Yeah. Of course. That's yeah. the comparison. That's and the not the human against, uh, human against the human comparison. Exactly. Yeah. We're I was talking about earlier about how we take discipleship models and we use discipleship models that are gleaned from these scholars and these experts and so forth. But, but Christ was the one, I mean, the word disciples first comes up in the New Testament when Christ calls dis disciples and then he mentors them over the period of three years. Yeah. And there's a period, I mean, look at the, the, the text we read earlier. He goes and he prays and he has his communion with God and then he calls the disciples and says, these are the people I'm going to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, the Christ used scripture and he was in a multi-ethnic, multicultural, cross-cultural society. How did he use scripture? Let's say, how did he use scripture mm -hmm. with the people he was with, his close group of disciples, the broader group of the, let's call it the church at that time, even though the word church hadn't been, you know, yeah. defined at that time, the synagogue, the area that his, his faith group, yeah. and then the ones that didn't believe like him. So you three, three, how did he work with those three groups? And did he, it was discipleship a part of all of that? Yeah. Mm. I think that's a good question. Um, Hopefully you have a good answer. Uh, 
Uh, because when, when we talk of your initial question about how, how do we use the Bible, uh, I think it would be a good thing to say we should use Scripture in the way that Jesus used Scripture. And so if we're going to do that, we, we need to be able to define or, or describe how did Jesus actually use Scripture. And I think one of the things that you find is that Jesus is always trying to point out the true meaning of mm-hmm. the Old Testament. For us, it's Old Testament. For, for them, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the Scripture Just that's in its entirety yeah. at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and, and you see, okay, for example, uh, with his disciples, he, he, you have him asking rhetorical questions sometimes, like saying, you know, didn't, did you not know that this was, or, or you see on the road to Emmaus, he's explaining from, from the scriptures, you know, that he was supposed to die and, and be resurrected and, and so forth. Um, I think also of the, his Sermon on the Mount. That one is is a, a very interesting case scenario because there he's he's constantly challenging you know old interpretations of scripture. He says, "You have heard that it was said you should not murder, and if someone you know does that, he'll be in danger of the judgment." But I say to you, and he does this over and over again, where he what he's doing is saying, "This is what scripture says, and this is how you have interpreted it," but you have not interpreted in your interpretation does not go to the full extent of what scripture says of what it actually says so he's trying to bring people back to the true meaning of what scripture says and be faithful to it in its entirety not just a uh, interpretation that people want to push or an agenda mm-hmm. that people are trying because to by that time what had happened was the scripture had become more a commentary of experts than people going back to find out I mean, it's like even when he asks rhetorical questions, you'll find people going, "Huh? Um, yeah. You want our? You want us to think for this? Yeah. You tell us what to do." Yeah. I mean, it's it's like some systems of education, like the one I grew up in. You know, the teacher would tell you something, and you had to repeat it. You wouldn't have to use your mind. You wouldn't have to think beyond to find out what. Mm. But when you have to give that opportunity, Ike was telling me the story about how when he went to teach recently in a, in a school, they, the the students weren't used to giving to for thinking. Mm. They were used to. T- repeating what the teacher told us. But yeah. The moment he did that, gave them the opportunity to, to express themselves, it, it was just mind-boggling to see how mm. people just yeah. came into their own and found joy in knowing Scripture because yeah. they weren't repeating this famous preacher. They were finding out what God had to say to them, yeah. which yeah. comes back to that individual part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, context, context, context. I believe that uh, I, the Scripture says God didn't, uh, well, Jesus didn't come to save the righteous, but the sinners. Right. And when you... Not to remove uh, a Christ kindred, you know, the Mm -hmm. Jews. Um, God was focused on using his son Jesus Christ to save those that were lost. Those that didn't feel as if they had a part or were were able to be in tune with scripture. Because here's the deal. The Jews weren't going across the border or mixing with other multi-ethnic groups. If you weren't a Jew, then scripture was not for you. Okay. And then Jesus came in and he made it applicable to any individual. He made it for the Samaritan woman, um, the, 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 the Roman, the centurion, mm-hmm. because you know Christ came to make the word applicable. And it wasn't u- used as a routine memorization, recitation, it was literally hands-on. He lived the word. It was word with like meaning, meaning and just not word mm-hmm. for text. Exactly. And, yeah. and also I think what Christ taught was principles. 
because you know the scripture is not just for a particular group of people. He taught principles because those transcend culture, they transcend time. Yes. So they think that's something that he was he was teaching the people. Mm. And they had to they had to figure they had to go back to scripture to to, to find out for themselves. Mm. Um, you you were talking about the how the society at that time, the religious society, had become so close knit that they said, "This is for us. This okay. is what we have." And they had their own way of speaking. How similar and how different is it today? to our faith community. Don't put your head down now. <laughs> you know, I would, my, my opinion would be this. Uh, a lot of individuals, they use the scripture when they want to. And uh, today you see the same thing, whereas they'll, they'll remove something when they feel as if they can remove it, then when they want to use it or uphold it over someone else, they, they can, but if you point the scripture at them, then it's a problem. It's, it's as if you're saying that they're not holy enough or they're, they're not spiritual enough. And I believe today it's the same thing. Um, if you take the, the word uh, across the country, let's go to, to Europe. I mean, and I take the same scripture and I adhere to the scripture here in, in North America. If I go to Europe, I have to make it applicable to the Europeans, like when in Rome, in Rome. Right. But when, when in America, in America, and you can use the very same scriptural text, even in a different multi-ethnic uh, uh, group in a different country, but it's not applicable in a different continent right. or around it's a different in, group. Again, like you said, in context. In context. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the things we say before we, we record, when we get new panelists for this program, mm -hmm. and we always say, don't talk about Myers because Myers is pretty much in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Talk about a supermarket, because most people know <laughs> a supermarket. Smart. But even then, most people in some parts may not know a supermarket. Talk about a place where you buy groceries. And mm -hmm. for some, it's like, why? It's because you need to be able to take the concept, mm. yeah. put it in mm -hmm. context, mm. and allow it to be applicable to people. Yeah. It's not like, well, you come and see me in my house. I mean, Jesus took the word out. Even the it's the Sermon on the Mount that you referred to earlier. Yeah. When he spoke about it, he didn't. He wasn't making it so specific that the foreigner was hearing wouldn't know, wouldn't understand. He made it so the person who knew it would understand how far they've gone. The one who learn, was learning it for the first time could have the curiosity to want yeah. to know more. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you take scripture from, from what we've been taught to making it um, life transforming? I mean, how do you take it from just being text yeah. or something a preacher says to making it life transforming both individually and church, within a church? Mm -hmm. no, I think that a lot of times when we read scripture, we read it at the level of theory. So the Bible says, for example, do not fear, have faith. Mm -hmm. But do we actually go and put ourselves in situations that ha he might be calling us into to show no fear or to show that we have faith? Mm. So I think the challenge is, is us drawing or having a bridge to connect theory with practical. And sometimes that means stepping out. If scripture says something, believe it. Mm. <laughs> I think um, that in order for scripture to be something that actually transforms lives, it has to be the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, because what happens, for example, even in the, in the action or, or process of salvation, what's happening there is not just a mental recognition or, or, or intellectual assent to, mm -hmm. to a certain uh, theory or, or, or understanding. What is happening is, is that it's an actual change 
in the individual. Um, so that it's not just, okay, now I know this and my life is better because of, because of this knowledge. Um, it's actually something that God is doing. And it, it, it's, a, it's literally a miracle that's happening. You know, oftentimes I, I hear people say that, you know, miracle, we, we don't see miracles happening today, you know, and, and why, don't, why don't we see miracles happening today the way that we see miracles like in the Bible? And for me, I'm, I'm glad that while we, we may not see miracles on, on the same scale, like, you know, Red Sea opening or, or you know, the uh, global flood or whatever, um, we do see the greatest miracles of all happening. That's people's lives being, being changed on a daily basis. And, and that, is, that is the greatest miracle that, that Scripture mm -hmm. presents. And, and that is the thing that, that is the difference maker. It's not just an understanding that, oh yeah, I understand this now is going to make a difference. It's, it's actually something that God has to do, something the Holy Spirit yeah. does and, and, and changes lives. I, I, I agree with Andrew. Um, I remember as a boy growing up, every uh, Friday night, uh, we would have worship together mm -hmm. as a family. And one of the uh, rituals, a routine, was that um, before we had our Sabbath dinner, we had to recite a text by memorization mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. we learned from the week before. Mm -hmm. Now, you would think we would receive one verse but I'm talking about <laughs> pericles, <laughs> passages. And if we didn't recite the text word for word, we weren't able to have dessert. Okay. As we got oh, wow. older, we probably weren't able to go out with our friends on a Saturday mm. night. And it's amazing. I studied the scripture, but it was never life transforming in my heart until I finally became of age and I gave myself to Christ wholeheartedly at the age of 19. Mm. And then mm. I remember this text that I learned at seven, Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 through 17. I'm talking about almost eight verses I had to remember, um, memorize at the age of seven. Mm -hmm. It was the very first sermon, devotion, and it became my favorite text. Mm. And I believe that somewhere, somehow, study can transition into a life's transforming experience, but it may not be at that exact very moment. Mm -hmm. Like the scripture says, he wants to write his law on our hearts. Mm -hmm. And I believe that over time, what we learn by knowledge, some way, somehow, at the right time, because of yeah. the work of the Holy Spirit, it's mm -hmm. a seed that's growing inside of us. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I look back at it and I, I'm just amazed. You know what, one thing that I'm thinking about as you're saying that, because uh, it, it is true. I think that there are many children that are memorizing scripture and they don't grasp the full uh, meaning of it. Yeah. Um, but them memorizing the scripture may not be a bad thing in, in, by itself. Because if you look at it, that, that was really something that Jesus, Jesus did. did yeah. he, he spoke in parables and some of these parables were he, he told them in ways that he in really intended for them not to understand. Those that have the eyes will see, mm. those that have ears will hear. Yeah, and then, and then what you see in the Gospels is that for many people what's happening is that even though they don't understand at the moment, in light of his resurrection and, and the later events, then everything starts to come together moment. like, yeah, mm. an aha moment. All the mm. pieces of the puzzles Just, come, yeah. come together mm -hmm. and then 
it makes a difference in their lives. Yeah, definitely. So part of the discipleship process is not the immediate result. Yeah, sure. It's being able to to lay a foundation down. It's like like going to the Samaritan woman. Is you had that conversation, started off with water, mm -hmm. and then had a little bit more of a conversation. Mm -hmm. But I, what I loved about that story, and what I love about that story, is the fact that she goes back and says, "Look at," doesn't say, "Look at me." Come see the person who changed my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we're not pointing back to Christ right. and saying, "Here's the person that changes my life," then there's something. Definitely wrong. Just as much as we don't go back to Scripture to find out what Scripture has to say. Yeah. Mm. Um, your, your story, you think your illustration about learning Scripture. My, my daughter right now is memorizing texts. Yeah. And so she does it for school and she does it for Sabbath school. And so one of the things I have to do, because I grew up in the same environment, that similar environment where you memorize Scripture, but it, you memorize Scripture just for 13th Sabbath, you memorize Scripture for a mm -hmm. program, you mm -hmm. memorize Scripture, yeah. but there was it was just words you repeated and everybody patted your head right. like, you know, good dog, you did a dog, you sit, sit, sit. There was no meaning to it. And when I reached a certain age, I'm like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. I don't need affirmation from anybody else. So, you know, it didn't make a difference. So with my daughter now, I'm asking her questions. Do you know what this means? Do you know mm -hmm. how this changes? Do you know what it refers to? And she suddenly has this, she goes, no, why? And then so we go back and we look historically, where does that come from? What is the meaning? And it's amazing that even at, at her age, and she's, she's about seven years old right now, is by bringing that into a discussion, there's a desire to know more than what is just being taught. Yeah. And I don't think there's any point in time when we say they're too young to know more. When it mm -hmm. comes to scriptures, there's ways to telling it, whether you tell them a new parable based on old scripture. Yeah. Or how you do it. Now, scripture is, is great. Matthew, Matthew, scripture is great for so many reasons. Now, you got Matthew 5, 17 to 19. Okay. Hmm. Somebody could read that. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So what do these, what do these verses tell us about scripture in our place today? Well, again, if you're looking at the way that, that Jesus uh, viewed Scripture and used Scripture, and if we're going to use His model, then He says here that there's nothing that is passed away or, or that's put aside. Nothing is destroyed. That's not His purpose. He does not come to destroy the law, but to uphold it and to fulfill it. Now, you got to be careful when you say that because when you read it literally, like some people like to do, then they mm -hmm. go back to all the rituals of the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And that's not what he's talking about. Levitical. Well, the, when, when, when you look at um, Scripture and you look at the laws, you know, for, for um, many people, they, they will say that, you know, okay, they're, they're, some laws are done away with. Well, if you read, for example, the Paul, Paul's uh, epistles, there, there's no law that's really done away with. There's, there's no law that's actually abolished. Hmm. What happens is that Jesus is the fulfillment of, of mm -hmm. many of these laws. So they have, they have not been destroyed or, or put aside. They have been fulfilled. And what happens is that all of these laws in the Old Testament, you're talking about Leviticus, it can be hard to, mm -hmm. to get through, but you know all of these laws, they have... Uh, a physical manifestation and also a, a spiritual underlying meaning, mm -hmm. and and the general rule that that you you can use to see whether a law is fulfilled entirely and, and no longer needs to be practiced is if you can keep the spiritual component without keeping the physical right. component. Okay. So, for example, health health laws, it's it's tough to say you're going to be spiritually healthy and trash your body 
So it, it's more than just you know clean and unclean meats. It's uh, it's temperance. about about temperance. It's about keeping keeping the temple of the body holy and 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 in good standing. Like you know? Al, Al, Al mm. said earlier, it's not just the letter of the law; it's the principle behind it. Exactly. You, mm -hmm. If you don't understand it, then you're just keeping it without being without connecting, connecting with God. It. Sure. We need to um, remember that. The Pharisees, a lot of the Jews that upheld the law, they thought that Christ was a radical. And when you look at Jesus Christ, his method was different. Wherever you go, like you said, discipleship, it's the most popular word, but not everyone's catching on to it. It's not a fad, it's just a fact that Jesus practiced discipleship. And it isn't a recent thing that happened in the last sure. 10 no, years. No, right? it's, mm -hmm. it's something that's always, always been, been biblical. It's always been biblical. And when you look when, when it says here in verse 17 that he did not come to, to break or abolish the law, law I think, and, and when you look at the, the root word for, from the Greek and you break it down, it says to loosen. You know, like some people, they loosen the law to fit their purpose. <laughs> well, a lot of individuals probably thought that Jesus was loosening the law himself, even though he was the word that became flesh. And that to fit his purpose, because mm. they thought he was trying to start an uprising. Mm. Remember, he was an influential <laughs> leader. And so they figured that he tweaked the law in order that he can tell uh, great stories, <laughs> parables. I, I love what you said about loosening the law. because And like I say, I love having these discussions with you because it makes me look at Scripture differently. Your loosening of the law reminds me of a chiropractor. <laughs> it isn't that he's weakening your, a good chiropractor because they're a bunch of quacks. But uh, <laughs> I think I will say that on TV. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's like a good chiropractor who doesn't who doesn't weaken your back, mm. but loosens, loosens it, it so you have better mm. mobility More that flexible. you can actually use it. You're less pain. Yeah. Because if Scripture is causing you pain, I mean, if you look like you suck lemons all your life, then you need that loosening up a little bit. Yeah. And so, if you're too loose, where, you know, you, everything is just on, well, today I feel like it, then you need a little bit of readjusting yeah. so it works the way it is. So yeah. basically what Jesus was doing in some ways was being a spiritual chiropractor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when he was talking about the Sabbath mm -hmm. and healing on the Sabbath, people might have thought, okay, he's loosening it so he can do what he wants to exactly. do on the Sabbath. But yeah. he's saying, I'm bringing you a newer yeah. understanding of what it means to observe the Sabbath. That's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. and That's I, I just love it. I mean... <laughs> Um, in holistic small groups, I'm taking a class, and its, it's key principle is discipleship, and we look to Jesus. And uh, like you said, mm -hmm. we, we need to point back to Jesus. Right. And um, I think we need to know who Jesus was in order to understand his word. That's why it's essential when they say, have a relationship with him one-on-one, -on -one, because then you would realize that this is not here to condemn us, to judge mm -hmm. us, but to save us, to build, to build us up. up. And that's one of the the other things. <laughs> because when you look at the way he worked with discipleship, it, it wasn't he it wasn't to bring them down. It's to bring them together and build them, them up. up. But not mm -hmm. just as a group, but individually. Visually, yes. I mean, I think we forget mm -hmm. that we expect everybody to be the same um, monogamous unit of whatever. Monogamous? No, they lost. lost gonna, yeah. yeah, but you know what? The, <laughs> the same. You know, yeah. the same mm -hmm. um, group of people. It's like unique individuals. Monogamous is good. Faithful to one, <laughs> one practice. Thank I see you where you're going. Right. Bringing people together so they're unique 
and you respect them for their uniqueness, but their their mm -hmm. perspective adds to the better of the whole group. All right, we're out of time. Thank you. I'll see you back uh, the last show, which will be recorded shortly. But anyway, <laughs> thanks for being here. If you would like to join us in this discussion, visit our Facebook page off the link on our website, which is www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. For Sabbath School University, I'm Falfa Fowler, and we'll see you next week with them, and I'll see you back on Lesson 13.